to Not to Oscars, a podcast where each week we discuss a criminally underrated performance in modern cinema and argue why that person should have been nominated in their category. I'm one of your hosts, Erica, and I'm joined by my two friends, Anthony and Josh. Say hi, guys. Hi. That's Anthony. I'm Josh. Hello. Okay, so last week, um, our first ever episode, we gave a little bit of a recap about why we love Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black and think he should have been nominated for an Oscar. Um, And this week, we are very excited to nominate and hopefully hand out our very first D'Onofrio. So Josh chose a movie from the year 1993, and we all watched it over the course of the last week, but we don't know who we're going to be talking about tonight. Yep. So Josh, do you want to reveal that to our listeners now? Okay. For your consideration, I would like to nominate Bette Midler in the role of Winifred from the movie Hocus Pocus. I'm so excited still. Okay, so let's see how underwhelming I can make this first award that I'm going to give out. So, the Vincent D'Onofrio Award presented to uh, Bette Midler for her role as Winifred in Hocus Pocus. So first off, for our five categories of whether or not I'm actually deserving of this uh, award, we have number one, aged, Aged Like a Fine Wine, Held up over time, we remember them. Number two, singular sensation. No one else could have done this. Number three, transformation exploration. They're physically and vocally so committed you could forget who they are as a person. Number four, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Ability to take a shitty script or insane premise. Number five, body of proof. Unexpected addendum to their career or an addition of what they've been working toward. Uh, so aged like a fine wine. It's a surprise. So uh, I, I I chose this one because it is an unexpected cult classic, and I think that's mostly predicated on Bette Midler uh, being the best part of the movie. See, it's like the '90s where it you have all these kind of sitcommy like premise movies that are kind of like here's a fish out of water scenario, and it's kind of crazy. And Hocus Pocus just kind of feels like, okay, let's put out a movie during the... Let's, like, make another holiday movie. Let's put a couple of well-known actors in it and just make it kind of fun. But we now have this movie that is, like, you can have, you know, bars will have themes uh, for this for, like, Halloween or something. And that's all predicated, I think at least on Bette Midler showing up to, uh, uh, in this movie and making it a classic. Because if you remove her out of the movie, I don't think it's that much of a cult classic. I mean, you still have the Sanderson sisters, you still have a couple of people, but I think she is the building blocks for this movie sustaining as long as it has. Uh, and by God has it. it. Because it's all of that nostalgia that like is good and not like the shitty like kind of like racist and anti-gay like uh nostalgia that you kind of have riddled with the 90s so that's fucking nice second off singular sensation so i'm coming in not seeing any other material that bed middler has done i've actually seen zero other movies that she's been in but i do know she is a broad i i will i know yeah, that one's definitely bad. coming back. Just letting you know. Yeah. Also, we got to yeah, talk about First look, Wives look, Club. I'm, that's a fucking classic. <laughs> look, mm-hmm. I I got to be honest with you. I just have to be honest, okay? Coming in, 
no other knowledge of Bentler's performances, but I do know that she's a Broadway actress. She's got a ton of musical albums. So she's coming into this with a shitload of training for both control over her body, meaning like her physicality and her voice, both in terms of like an actress and a singer. I don't think anybody else could have taken this role, which is really just a very like, you know, leader of the pack kind of like of fumbling like witches group and make it like so dynamic and so everything so important uh, I can't think of another actor that would be able to do that or even create something like this. Because I can imagine a bunch of actors just showing up and being like, ah, here's, I'm going to play a witch. Like, yeah. And I don't know. Uh, transformation, exploration, very simply, uh, every, every moment and every gesture was absolutely like used to its fullest potential in this movie. She didn't lose a single sound a single gesture. My favorite gesture in the whole movie is a toss-off one where she's like, they're about to walk into the devil's house and she scares like a bunch of kids off. And the way she like flourishes her hands and like kind of arcs her head back after she scares the kids. I'm like, who fucking does that? It's like the smallest, weirdest thing. Every tiny little nugget detail that she does is like a choice and it's dynamite. Chicken salad out of chicken shit. This script is garbage uh just watch the first just just watch just watch the first 15 minutes of this movie it is garbage like oh where is your sister oh she's uh over there and away beast and then like max being mad and coming in the house and he's like how was school it sucked hey hey watch the language it's like who's fucking writing this it's garbage so the fact that ben midler showed up and just made absolute gold out of these puns that are just so stupid hey okay ben midler we're gonna have a shot of you on a broom you're uh, they're driving the car you're gonna knock on the window and say um license and registration please and it just has to be funny so just make something and she fucking does body of proof you know, I actually think this is the one that the one area that I think is not the best supported by by her performance in this movie because I don't know a lot about her past performances, but I'm just guessing as a Broadway actor that she's probably done a lot of roles that are kind of like very characters taken to an 11 or 12 or 13. So the thought of Bette Midler playing like a witch that is just like such an electrifying performance, like... It's just kind of surprising to me because I, I put her as more of a musician than an actor, like just because I probably know her music better. And it was just a chance. I think it's kind of a, it was a chancy movie. It's a, a, just a kind of a toss off Disney holiday movie with a terrible script. So for her to come in and give a hundred percent, I think she knocked it out of the park. <laughs> Boom. All right. That's my five in the can. So that's it. I, I, I guess I'm assuming you two are just going to go back through a numerical order and uh, give me feedback or give me numbers. How you want to do this? Yeah, let's fucking talk about it. Starting at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a question for you. Is this yes. a movie? Actually, I have a question for both of you. Is the, in terms of aging like a fine wine, is this a movie you guys watched as kids? Um, or is this a movie no. that you came into as an adult? I saw it in theaters as a kid and I did not like it. But my wife loves it, so 
she's watched it at least yeah. like two or three times around the house. But that was the first time that I'd ever watched it, like, you know, by my own accord. And also was the first time that I've watched it in full, like, from beginning to end. What about you, Josh? I I, I watched this as a kid probably a couple times. But I swear to God, when I hit somewhere between 17 to 19, this movie showed up once every, like, three months. Like, every friend that I had, every roommate that I've ever had, just like, let's watch Hocus Pocus. Definitely every Halloween. But most of it, as I say, like, late high school to to now, it wasn't so much as a kid. Yeah, I'm I'm similar. I, I have watched this movie so many times. When I was living with Carissa, she received it as a gift on DVD. We watched it, like, ad nauseum. We would watch it when it was not Halloween. So I have a real soft spot for this movie. I think it is comedy gold, and I also think it's a movie that has held up remarkably well. Um, Josh, you're talking about, like, I feel like a lot of 90s movies and TV shows really do fall into that trap of, like, uh, homophobia and fat shaming and random race. Racist comments yeah. eat, like, one thing, and I think this is a product of it being 1993, but is that it's... <laughs> A very white movie uh so there's that for sure that like this movie would not be made the same way today oh no fucking way but from for me just in terms of like a movie that i watched as a kid that i still enjoy as an adult i i agree this movie fucking holds up and i would say the same too it's like it it's it just kind of hits all of the beats like it very much feels like a 90s movie not even like just like the tropes that like you know like all of like you know like the sitcoms and everything kind of fall into but it just feels like something that's fresh out of the 90s it feels like hey like we got 10 million dollars let's make this movie Bette Midler said she's gonna do it we might be able to clear like one song that people know and we can like really turn it (laughs) into a moment like yeah it has a lot of that feeling of like it almost feels indie but at the same time like it definitely doesn't and it had like some kind of a budget behind it but like by like modern standards that budget ain't worth a damn which is how everything that came out of the 90s kind of feels right it feels like a disney movie it feels like a 90s disney movie right um which it is so it makes sense and you like you get like i think about some of those musical sequences too like the fact that so i don't know too much about kathy and jimmy's past like her her history or anything but sjp sjp and bet midler both are have deep Broadway roots. So to like also just be able to, cause SJP I feel like was coming into her like heyday at this time too. Um, and yeah. so I feel like to get them together and the three of them together are a fucking delight and a half. I mean, so fun. Yeah. And I'm very surprised too. And like, I guess we didn't really talk about this. We didn't know what Josh was going to pick prior to doing this like you know we chose the year and then he texted us and said hocus pocus but we still didn't know what role he was going to choose or anything and i thought he was going to choose sarah jessica parker to me that really yeah because to me it felt like bet midler's the obvious choice and after watching the movie it's it very much feels like sarah jessica parker kind of steals every scene that she's in well her Um, breasts steal many scenes so well there's that that too. Um, and even like Kathy Najimi, where it's just like the 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 constant, like, you know, like her like mouth is like sloped to the side and like all of that. 
I thought you were going to go with either one of those two. At one point, Vanessa thought that you were going to choose the monster that comes to life at the at the very beginning that's chasing the kid. Billy. She okay, she was like, she was she wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. He, uh, he was. A I close thought you were going to choose that. He was too. a close second. <laughs> Honestly, I thought about it because I think that person's performance of that small role just knocks out of the park. I I probably played it a little safe for the for, for this first one, but uh, yeah, the, the, you're it's not an far excellent off. choice. So the movie itself, kind of, and the performance, I feel like, is aged well. Uh, do we want to talk about? Uh, our second category so singular sensation is there anyone else who could have played this part i think somebody else could have i don't know that they would have done it as well which is kind of the rule it's like could anybody else have done it the same way you know and i will give it that to say that off the top of my head, yeah, there's definitely like, you know, like another like Broadway actress that could have knocked it out of the park and done it their own way. I'll, I'll, I'll say, though, that Bette Miller has an age and an edge in that, you know, I can't see anybody doing it the way that she did it and doing it that well. Yeah, I, I'm Erica, what do you think? I'm of the same opinion. I mean, like you're talking about with Kathy Najimy, 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 how do we say her last name? We should have probably looked that up. I have no idea. And I'm afraid to, to correct myself well, at this point because we've already started rolling. Good old Kath. On, She's called good KJ. old KJ on her vacuum, which is honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie is when she takes off on that vacuum. Oh, my it's God. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> Comedy gold. I caught me as hilarious as a child. It's on the poster. Catches me as hilarious as an adult every time I watch this movie. Um, but, you know, we were talking about the thing she does. She's kind of got that slack jawed thing she does a little bit. Her... But Bette Midler does this thing, and part of it's makeup, part of it's the way they do her lips, but she does this thing where she creates these, she really creates, over-creates those, like, buck two front teeth and, like, purses mm-hmm. her yep. lips while she speaks. And I just, like, don't know how you keep that up for an entire film. She She's, like, her, it's, like, when you, when, I, I remember from acting, you, like, lead with certain parts of your body, it's like she's leading with like her teeth, lips, and her fingertips the whole time. Amazing. And like if you want to like compare this a little bit to the D'Onofrio performance in Men in Black. Which yes. we should. Um, you know, being an actor, it's everything. <laughs> I guess one thing our listeners should know is that we all come from a theater background. And um, you know, yes. keeping those sorts of characteristics and thinking about if you are gonna choose a really strong f- physical characteristic to play like that. Um, but also they, their, their bodies in general are going through physical decay during, during the movie. So like Edgar, the bug, like the more, the more he's away from his alien life form, right. He's kind of like, he's stretching out this human skin. She's kind of dying. The more she doesn't get the virgin blood into her system. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really tough to keep track of that as an actor and to also then layer on top all of these random physical characteristics you're going to do. Like I played a drug addict once in in a play and I had to know exactly every scene, exactly what I had in my system and how much of it, how long it had been since my last hit. So you can like kind of gauge what you're playing. And that's really difficult to keep track of. So I think that alone is, is honestly incredible. And they're also filming out of order, so right. it's like you can't even build on one thing to the exactly. next thing to the next thing. It's like no, we're all over the place. So I guess moving on to category three, which yeah. kind of ties in with the second yeah. one, is the transformation in which they're incredibly like committed to like you know 
this role yeah. as opposed to anything else. I'm like, you know, like if you hold a mirror to it, it's like this doesn't feel like anything else they've ever played before. Yeah. Again, Erica, all you... I all I said was every moment, every gesture was used. Every moment was used. <laughs> so I've seen a lot of Bette Midler uh, performances. Yeah, I was going to throw that back over to you. Yeah, so uh, First Wives Club is another one of my favorite 90s movies, um, also starring Bette Midler and SJP. She's in that too? Yeah, she plays the woman that Bette Midler's husband starts dating. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes you wonder whether they were friends or whether that's just coincidence because they were both just like doing well at hmm. that point in time. But um, she's also, she was in Beaches with Cher, which is a very, very different, serious, more of a role. Um, but And most recently... Most recently, she is in um, the new uh, Netflix series with Ben Platt, The Politician. Um, and mm-hmm. she plays this, like, well, she plays a rival politician. I think in the second season, he's going to run against her. She plays a character called Hadassah Gold. Um, but one, it was nice to see her get away from playing a character who is uh, being Jewish is a huge part of their personality. Um but two, like she's she is very good at playing these grounded real women um, and giving some life to that and giving some like actual like feeling and these very realistic performances. But a lot of times the performances she gives have to do with aging and and what what does that mean as a woman and what does it mean to be for to have someone be in love with you or not be in love with you and your relationship to people. And I think it's actually incredible how similar this is to a lot of her roles, yet wildly wildly different because she's playing a literal witch mm. that survives on the lifeblood of virgins i haven't seen too too much bet Midler, and for me it's like maybe a handful of clips of random things that she's been in her guest appearance on seinfeld where i'm pretty sure she played herself she plays herself on and then this. seinfeld and oh my god i forgot and about the simpsons that. she plays herself oh you're right i forgot about that so yeah but based off of all of those, I will say, like, you know, this is, it's, it's again, it's like the theater. It's like, you know, like when, like, you, when you have, like, that classical training, I guess, like, you can, like, kind of tap into that. And, yeah, you see it. So, yeah, she, she transforms a little bit. I'll give her that, too. <laughs> I'm keeping score, by the way. Like, like, I'm figuring out, like, how, like, we're going to add this up all at the end of it, Josh. I, I am, I am waiting with bated breath. Amazing. Um, all right. Well, that being said... Let's get into um, what is potentially <laughs> the least controversial, but we may have the most to say about this category. Um, chicken salad out of chicken shit. So, uh, as Josh noted, this script is fucking wild. I-, I said the script is garbage. Well, it's also wild <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> it is hot. It is also hot garbage, though. You're right. The prem- the scene that takes place when they're going uh, trick or treating. Oh my god! And they end up at what's what's the actress name? The one that plays, at Gary Marshall's uh, house. Uh, um, yeah. Oh my god! Makes no Let's sense see. at all. It doesn't do anything for the story. It just happens. Where these three women like- end up in the house for like five minutes, and they just move on with the plot from there on. It's all just fish out of water scenarios. Like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we put them? in front of the devil but it was just a person dressed up as the devil like that's the premise of that scene and that's as far as it needs to go because do it doesn't the, change anything it doesn't at all but it has my favorite moment in the entire movie where 
Kathy Najimy is looking. She's watching the TV. Is she? I'm so glad you're gonna yeah, say the, this. The, the 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 is it a commercial or is it just like a thing that's just happening on it? I think it's like the it's the baby that's like playing like on the floor with like the yeah the flight of the bumblebees playing in the background and she just screams at the TV. It's the most out-of-pocket <laughs> scene for no reason. It makes no sense at all. And it's my favorite part of the entire movie. Also, I just want to know how Gary and Penny Marshall wound up in this movie because they didn't direct or write it. Yeah, it's like, who called in a favor and was like, hey, Penny, can you do like, this thing for a little I, bit? I, I like to think it was a lost bet. Because <laughs> there, like, there's some, like... <laughs> that's an insane cameo. But also, like... Like Thora Birch being in this movie is also bananas to me because she's at the, she's like exactly the right age, but she's also the only one of these kids that, unlike Disney movies today, she's the only one of the kids in this movie that grew up to be like anybody. A hundred percent fair because you can't say that for like any of the teenagers that come out of these flicks. Like, no. yeah, like they get like one or two, and then it's like they just kind of like fizzle off and like disappear. But like, no, she made it. She did American Beauty. Um. I, I also, this has nothing to do with Bette Midler. Was stealing shoes like a thing that happened at this time period? Was that like a traditional way to bully? What, you mean like ice, like taking people's like shoes and stuff, like in the middle of the cemetery? I've never experienced it before, so I can't really speak towards it, but it felt a little extra. Also wild that there's like a white kid out in like (laughs) Winston-Salem. Who has ice written in the back of his head, wears a bucket hat, and is hassling kids for their sneakers. Like Not even no no no, not even hassling kids for his sneakers. They're just hanging out in a graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Just like just waiting just hanging for some out. trouble to get in. It's very nineties. It's, it's yeah. incredibly nice. And like some LA writers were like, you know what we should do? We should cultural appropriate and give it to this random white kid and have him steal like candy and shoes and everything that he could possibly get his hands on. It's it's wild. A thousand percent. Especially too, because then as you're watching it, you're like, there's no black people in this whole movie. The the closest thing to a black person that we have. Let's, is ice. let's just literally zero. <laughs> literally zero. Literally zero. Not even at the parties, like not trick or treating, like there's none. So I think proof enough. Then I guess like you know, chicken salad out of chicken shit. She turns in a really good performance out of the thing that should kind of exist just in our memories it should almost be like kazam where it's like hey remember that one movie that came out that one time that we don't own because nobody wants to watch that ever again it's like that but it's not so uh our final category body of proof so um an un and an unexpected addendum to the career or an addition of what this person's been working for um okay so we kind of talked about this a little bit in that like it's kind of a little bit of a both an unexpected turn for her, but also the fact that I feel like this movie has held up so well. Like people are still watching it. I feel like it's become iconic. Yeah, it's definitely like when you think of if you ask somebody like, "Hey, like name like the top five best med- best bet midler roles of all time." Try saying that three times fast. If you ask them like, best "This one's gonna come up," best like there's no way that it doesn't. Okay, listeners. So. If, like we mentioned previously, we were sponsored, now is here where you would hear an ad. Since we're not yet sponsored by mattresses or at-home hair color or sugar-free snacks, we just thought you'd like to listen to us talking about the name Thackeray. Enjoy! It bothers me a lot because 
this movie's made for kids, and they decided to give him the goofiest name possible that everybody's going to get wrong. And at no point in the movie do they ever, like, point a flashlight to it and be like, that's a weird name. Why isn't it Zachary with, like, a Z the way that it should be? Instead of Thackeray with a TH. Like, they never is that actually it. a real name? Can you imagine name? if you were a child with a speech impediment? Like, to tell you the truth, growing up, I thought it was just a mistake. <laughs> and they just went with it. Like, wh- why are all the why are these kids I saying it wrong? I think they just were trying to be like, oh, this was olden times. But, like, his sister's name is Emily. Emily. And he says it a lot. A lot. Yes. You know what my favorite line in this movie is? <laughs> tell us. What is it? Uh, it's uh, so first 15 minutes, which I think is like such a golden moment in this movie. Uh, uh, there's this moment where right after they hang the Sanderson sisters, there's like the the da- I think it's the dad of Zachary Binks. And uh, he's the cat and the cat is like running around and it rubs up against the dude's leg like, hey, dad, it's me. I'm a cat. But the dad just goes away away beast <laughs> like that's how I, like that's the line that you chose to get rid of this cat away away beast yeah i feel like nobody similar to this podcast i feel like nobody that was writing the script for this actually did any research what it was like in salem massachusetts um during the 1600s and um was just like yeah this is fine <laughs> no there's no research whatsoever it's just like oh like there were witches at this time, and that's kind of it. That's as far as we got. And now, back to the show. So now that we've gone through all five, I think now it's time for us to, like, actually grade these yeah, give, and say, like, where we fall. Give me some scores. All right, first category, age like fine wine, holds up over time. Everybody has watched this movie at least twice, three times in, like, your adult life because of the nostalgia factor and because, like, the role is actually that good. I'll give this one an eight. Um, so I I might be the I don't know the the Randy or the Paula of this group, but I'm giving this a ten because this is a movie that I I just like love so 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 much and I I never get sick of this performance. That was a strong grade. That was a really really strong grade. Yes, it was. <laughs> so for the next category, singular sensation. Nobody else could have done this. That one I I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say six. And here's why. The reason why is that while she knocked it out of the park and it's absolutely fantastic, and I think that she's perfectly cast in it and everything, do I think that she's the only person that could have done it? I don't know that. But I do think that she did the best given the material and everything that was there, which I will then reflect in later grades. But as far as like this being like singular sensation, I'm gonna say it's real good, but I'm not gonna say it's like singular. I'm going to say it's like upper echelon. Like she's good enough to like make this her own and leave her mark on it. I'm in a similar spot as you, Anthony. I'm giving this a seven um, because it's also not a movie I want to see remade. Like I just want to enjoy this this version. Mm. So you oh. don't want to see the sequel when it comes out inevitably. Hell no. Third category, transformation exploration. We talked about it. You know, we said, you know, how like we kind of fit on this one. I'm going to give this one an eight. I'm going to say that in terms of like, you know, like the the facial expressions, like, you know, everything that she does throughout it, it's very, very strong. It does take a, a bit of, you know, training and work in order to like maintain that. So yeah, I'm going to say eight. That's solid. Um, I'm also giving this a seven. 
Um, I think it's really, really fucking good work. But there's a couple of things like the singing and stuff, which is so undeniably Bette Midler. Um, that just those are actually really the only yes. times that I get taken out of it. Next category: chicken salad out of chicken shit. This very well could have been like every other 90s movie that came out, like a Kazam, where it's kind of like came, we all saw it, and then never talk about it again. It's pretty good what they turned it into, so I can give this one an 8 as well. Um, I also gave this an 8, because I think uh, it's not on her, (laughs) some of the, the garbage. It's also undeniably just like a bad script, and there's only so much you can do with it. Mm hmm. And then for Body of Proof, Unexpected Career Addendum, it's a strong eight on my end. Because again, this is one of those things like if you like, if you Google her name right now, this is one of like the first thing that pops up in the results. Like it's one of the first photos that you're going to see for like her entire body of work. When you look at her Wikipedia page, it's like she's known for like these things. It's the first thing that's there. And correct me if I'm wrong, Erica, because like I'm not 100% positive, but I don't know that she's made that many things that are like aimed at kids. Like I think it's like a lot of theater um, a couple of movies and this. So like it is like unexpected in that re- in that regard where it's like, you know, this is very different than anything else that like I have on my resume. So yeah, a very, very, very strong eight. Okay. So this might be controversial, but I'm giving this a six because I really wanted Josh to make the case stronger about this based up of some of her other performances about like why you think this this is a performance that holds up over time. I think that's fair. Josh, fair, what fair, did you fair, get? Fair. What are your numbers on your end? Well, first off, thank you both for scoring the first ever attempt at uh, giving the Vincent D'Onofrio Award uh, to another person. Appreciate it. Uh, a lot of constructive feedback in here. A little bit of bitterness on my side, just because uh, I have to be, but... Uh, happy about it uh the score that is total to is 76 all right so technically you won so technically we have our first given award of the vincent d'onofrio award uh, uh josh who would you like to thank uh for receiving this award oh man i just really i really want to thank myself you know i'm well, the one that really showed up and did the this award she's winning it I got her that award. I don't know, but he has 76 points now. So in two weeks, we'll see if we're holding up there. I'm getting my award. All right. I don't care. Yeah, let me enjoy this. All right, Anthony. I won't take this from you, Josh. Enjoy your moment. I've I've enjoyed my moment. Thank you for helping me uh, prove that she deserved this this award. Well, Bette Midler, congratulations to you. Yeah, Um, congratulations. If you're listening to this, uh, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Tell your friends. And then, yeah, I guess now it's our opportunity to turn it over to the next person. So, okay, uh, to, to, to make it a little bit more flavorful, this six-sided die that I'm holding right now, I found on the uh, site where uh, Oktoberfest happens in in Munich, Germany. So it's a German so it six-sided just, die. Yes. That's fine. Naturally, naturally. Yes, naturally. So uh, we'll do this for who is going next. We'll say... One through three will be Anthony. Four through six will be Erica. And it is a five. So Erica will be going next week. And to choose a year. Ah, I need a 10-sided die. I can do that one on my (laughs) end if you'd like. Yeah, why don't you help me out on this one? I don't don't have a good thing in front of me. Should we keep this in the 90s or should we go up to the 2000s? I say we keep it in the 90s. I'm in. 90s? Yeah. Okay. 
Shaking This Guy Up, 1996. 1996, okay. That's the year that Independence Day came out. Mm Mm-hmm. Twister, mm-hmm. Train Spotting, wow. The Nutty Ooh. Professor, Ooh. Jerry oh Maguire, Happy Gilmore, The Birdcage, Cable Guy. Oh my God. The Rock, Broken Arrow, Mars Attacks, The Craft. I'm very excited to see what you show up with. Dude, right? all right. Well, I've got a lot to choose from. I guess, I guess I'll have to do some research and let you guys know. Yay, we gave our first award. Well, congratulations to Bat and Josh, both winners this week. Thank you. Thank you, Beth. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Not the Oscars. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on your favorite listening platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Not the Oscars. That's N-O-T-D-O-S-C-A-R-S. Or email us at getmesugarwater at gmail.com to submit a performance that you think deserves the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. See you again next week.